You're listening to a Stranger Cast at thestranger.com. Hey, it's Wednesday, July 11th, and I'm Eli Sanders, and this is Blabbermouth, the Stranger Podcast in which we talk about what's going on this week. Dan Savage is here, Rich Smith is here, and we are going to talk first about Brett Kavanaugh, Donald Trump's second pick for the Supreme Court. How did we get here? What do we do about it? And then Elon Musk. He's a tech bro with the answer to the world's biggest problems, including the problem of people, kids trapped in a cave in Southeast Asia, except his answer sucks. Rich Smith is going to tell you why. After that, a beautiful book that will take you out of our horrible reality. Rich will tell you about that too. But first, Brett Kavanaugh. Rich Smith, hello. Hi, Eli. Are you feeling invigorated by your fight with Dan Savage just now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love relitigating 2016, don't you? <laughs> Dan it's Savage, what... hello. Hello. Do you like winning an argument against Rich first thing in the morning? Oh, my God. I do. I do. I do. It makes my day. Guess what? Jill Stein's bad. <laughs> All right. So. What got us there was just the mere mention of Brett Kavanaugh, Donald Trump's nominee for Supreme Court, Donald Trump's second nominee to the United States Supreme Court. The second of what could be four or five Trump picks for the Supreme Court. And we are all trying to figure out, one, how we get up in the morning with this reality, and then two, who's to blame. And of course, that brought up uh, an old chestnut of an argument between Dan and Rich, which we don't have to rehearse again here. If you're interested in Dan and Rich, ar- me, me and Rich arguing about <laughs> Jill Stein, we have the archives for you to pick through. <laughs> However, it is important to say, because we are coming up on a midterm election, that historically people, people maybe like blabbermouth listeners don't vote in. You can trace a path from the 2014 midterm elections directly to... I'm drawing water in my bath. <laughs> directly. We can trace the I'm path. bringing out the knife. Without mentioning Jill Stein, you can trace this I'm path. I'm placing the knife tip to my wrist. <laughs> well, we're not allowed to talk about low-dem voter turnout in midterm elections as a contributing non-Jill Stein-related factor to our current predicament. That's not okay with you either? No, it's just it's eye-rollingly obvious. It's like, yeah, it was also Comey. Well, if it's it was so also fucking this. obvious, why aren't people turning out for midterm elections four years ago? If it's so fucking obvious, it doesn't even because bear people discussion. Do, because the Democrats are, uh, do, don't do a very good job of bringing people out because they don't have a very inspiring platform. It's someone else's fault. No, it's the Democrats' fault. It's not someone else's fault. It's the Democrats' fault for not inspiring these people to, to, to vote for them. Sure, to, to making them partly. believe that they basically believe what Jill Stein believes. And it's is, the fault of the people out there rattling around saying there's no difference between the Democratic and Republican Party, no difference between a Democrat or Republican president. Yeah, but here Dan, we Dan, fucking Dan, are, Dan, and there are big Dan, and perceptible differences. Let me finish. Here we fucking are, and there are large and perceptible differences between Democrat and Republican presidents all of a sudden, which is why you see huge, dem lib, progressive voter turnout in in special elections and in primaries in other states that have already happened. California's primary, enormous Dem, Lib, Prague turnout. So the signs are that going forward, maybe the lesson is learned of not just 2016, but 2014 and 2010. The lesson is learned going forward. 
In case you have no idea what that lesson is, 2014, the midterms allowed the Republicans to take over the House and Senate. 2016 gave the presidency to Donald Trump. The fact and the fact that the Republicans had the Senate allowed Mitch McConnell to block Obama from appointing uh, Merrick Garland, his centrist, okay with Orrin Hatch choice for the Supreme Court. A lot of consequences flow from that election that we will be living with for decades the rest of our lives and now we cruise into the 2018 midterm elections maybe the rest of your life old timer (laughs) that's right you're fucking out of here i'm gonna live till i'm 150 (laughs) oh i'm gonna be around when we fix this shit good and during that time though it's also worth mentioning places like north carolina had massively restricted voting rights and massively disenfranchised huge numbers of barriers uh, to voting have been around which is not the fault of the democratic party which has been pushing against those barriers right absolutely it's the fault of the you know it absolutely is the fault of the democratic party who because they because they have lost state houses i mean the reason why they were able to erect these uh, barriers to voting was because they democrats fucking lost state houses and governorships for a decade <laughs> and I mean that's the, that's that's the reason, and because they Democrats didn't fight in places where they thought that they where they should have been fighting. So are you waiting? My blood, by the way, is clouding. <laughs> any for the waters if anyone's still following that narrative are you and i am leaking out <laughs> and becoming more vampiric trigger warning for suicide yeah sorry about um so with so much frustration about the democratic party not doing enough to inspire you to vote are you waiting to be inspired to vote in the midterms this year I have voted in every midterm since I was a baby. I, in <laughs> fact, have broken voting laws uh, to, to vote. So what are you talking about? I, yes, it looks like to, – to, to answer your question, actually, yeah, the latest Gallup poll shows that there's a huge enthusiasm um, the, the gap that Democrats and especially young yeah. Democrats are looking forward to because voting. Because the Republicans are just guys as bad are as both we've been doing that they the, are for like 30 fucking The biggest years. old man I told you so routine for the last like <laughs> five months on this podcast, and that's why I'm rolling my eyes. And, and it's just like – so that, that's where I'm at. I can why hear them you... scraping across the inside of your skull because there's no brain above them to restrain them <laughs> well fair you called why me don't old. you call me old me... i had to go for the jugular <laughs> why don't you tell me the young man's view on brett kavanaugh the nominee oh to the good, supreme oh, court good old yaley um yeah. from um who seems tailor-made <clears throat> for the position played basketball apparently with a lot of people uh pick up basketball with a lot of liberals who who, who liked them ate and, a lot of federalist society ass yeah for ate a lot of federalist society ass to get where he is uh today and um he's going to be the person who over, overturns roe versus wade he's gonna be the person who says that um assault weapons bans are illegal he's gonna gut the affordable care act he's gonna gut voting rights even more than they've already been gutted and he's likely a vote to overturn obergefell or to gut marriage rights in the same way that they may not technically overturn roe v wade this is something that people are discussing but they may gut it in the same way they've gutted the voting rights kavanaugh's been a clerk for a lot of the supreme court justices he's been for and especially kennedy is that right or Yeah, he was kennedy's clerk yeah and and apparently there was some deal between kennedy and trump NBC News reported where Kennedy agreed to retire if Trump would appoint this dude, which other people pointed out they would be impeaching and executing Obama if he'd hammered out a deal with a sitting Supreme Court justice to get him to retire 
on the condition that he appoint that Supreme Court justice. While Obama, just to continue the hypothetical, was under investigation by the FBI, which he never was, but Trump is. And to bring up another thing about Kavanaugh, he has this belief in a presidency that's immune from prosecution, essentially. A president shouldn't be questioned by prosecutors. Well, a, a Republican shouldn't, president shouldn't right, be. Right, exactly. <laughs> because he worked for the... under the Not, ca- not about collusion or high crimes uh, or treason shouldn't be questioned. About blowjobs, we got to get to the bottom of that's that. That's right. He was part of the Ken Starr investigation, and he, uh, during that time, uh, sided with people who believed that the president didn't... You know, that, that, Bill, that Bill Clinton should have been... Um, Deposed, yeah, indicted. Yeah, <laughs> taken into my bathtub <laughs> and given the, given the same night. Um, but Trigger when... warning for assassination. Yeah, sorry. And then, but then he wrote in a in a, a briefing or in an article for the Minnesota Law Review in two thousand eight, uh, basically uh, a, a position that said that the 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 president shouldn't be indicted. Asterix, so had, how, asterix, however, he argued that Congress needed to pass legislation that would protect a president from being indicted. So. By inference, he doesn't believe that constitutionally the president can't be deposed or indicted, that Congress needs to act to prevent that from happening. So, but long story short, when Bill Clinton was in office, he was wanting a president impeached for lying under oath and having an affair, essentially. Yeah, he wanted about. Yeah, he he recommended that um, they ask publicly uh, the gritty details of the sexual uh, interaction between uh, Clinton and Monica. He pushed for them asking uh, in, at public hearings, did you ejaculate? It would would you be calling Monica Lewinsky a liar? If, Where is your cigar right now? Well, right. no, it was like, did you ejaculate in her mouth two times? If she said that, would she be a liar? Did you ejaculate into a trash can one time? If she said that, would you be a liar? He pushed to humiliate the president and to and to and to and to, and to and Bill Clinton, I should say, and um and 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 and. So hopefully, and, and wait, wait, I, I want to pause on that. That was a whole big aspect of the, the star investigation was to dump into the public domain all of this information about Bill Clinton's sexual activities in an effort to humiliate the president, to sex shame the president, kink shame the president, make it impossible for him to govern because he got his ass licked, because he got a blowjob, because he playfully tucked a cigar into a sex partner. And it was all about the sexual humiliation of the president to destroy the president by dumping all this information out into the public. Not just he had sex with an intern, but beat by beat. This is what I remember reading about it in the New York times. I'm reading about rimming in the oval office in the New York times. And that wasn't just, let's get to the bottom of this. That was let's use sex to destroy this president. Yeah. It it points to me to his moralizing. He, he, he did it most recently in this um, case where he wanted to deny an immigrant woman, immigrant minor, um, an abortion. Uh, she was being detained in a detention facility. She'd already got a um, uh, a notice for a judge that she could leave to to, to get an abortion, but she was prevented. Um, and this made it to the circuit court, to uh, Brett Kavanaugh's desk, and two other di- district judges. And he said she needed to wait weeks until she was in a, quote, better place to make a choice about such a decision, at which point she might uh, not be able to legally have an abortion. She would have been 18 weeks um, and Texas 
which is where she was, bans abortions at 20 weeks. And um, she had already obtained, like I said, the uh, judicial bypass, but the Trump administration refused to let her see a provider. They sent her instead to a crisis pregnancy center is what they <laughs> what they did. Uh, instead of sending her to an abortion, that's where the court case comes. Crisis on. pregnancy centers, which now have the Supreme Court stamp of approval. Right. And, and Kavanaugh further argued that uh, to require immigration authorities to, to stop blocking her would to make the state um, – facilitate her abortion which was uh to him uh, unconscionable and so it's this kind of moralizing like the I, I and he also voted for in the case of like, hobby lobby uh or wrote an opinion um on the side of hobby lobby and on the side of corporations who don't think that they should be able to give contraceptions to or offer insurance that um, uh, offers contraception to women who uh, work for them. He's a, a horrible Catholic, you know, anti-abortion. So what paging Susan, Collins, do about paging Susan Collins, <laughs> right? Well, paging Susan Collins, uh, John McCain, rest easily. Don't hurry back to the Senate. That gets you to not enough votes on the Republican Manchin side. Manchin is going to vote for this motherfucker. Like it's over. I, I want to quote something Amanda Marcotte tweeted out. She's the uh, feminist writer um, for Salon. I see a lot of liberals using language like we're on the cusp and if we don't fight now, we could lose. The time to fight, the cusp period, was November of 2016. This isn't a movie where you get saved at the last minute, which isn't to say we don't fight, but that's why the resistance language is so important. Resistance starts when the fight is lost, when the Nazis have already taken Paris. You're not on the cusp anymore. She goes on, I worry the failure to understand just how fucked we are could make this worse. If we keep thinking this ship turns around, that safety is near, we might fail to fight correctly. The bad guys won. Roe is over. It's time to get out of the typical political fight thinking. I think she's absolutely right. Roe is over. We're on to the next stage of this fight. I do hope, however, that Democrats will see the opportunity to do something like what was done with the Star Report by Brett Kavanaugh and Karl Rove and others with the hearings, with his confirmation hearings. He's going to be under oath and they can ask him, you know, since he's put himself out there as this good Catholic moral individual. It's not about how you'd rule on the case, but just as a as a proud Catholic, like how do you feel about divorce? How do you feel about payoffs to uh, people you're having an affair with, someone's having an affair with while their wife is pregnant. On and on and Can on. Can they ask questions like that? In why not? Yeah, why the fuck not? I mean, why not violate everyone? That, that was the, yeah. that, the Star Report said that kind of thing was fair game. And he's being put up there as, partly because of his moral credentials. I think, I don't know, even if it's not fair, I think the Democrats should ask it. And just tie him to the guy who brought him and make him answer for him. Because it's it's really incredible that Republicans who, in the case of Bill Clinton, drew this kind of faux moral outrage line and said that Clinton had crossed it and therefore he had to be cast out of society are now basically, not basically, they're binding themselves. The very first thing this guy said, Kavanaugh, to the American public was a lie. Was was a lie. Well, it was a a particularly Trumpian lie, right? It was that no other president in the history of presidents has ever searched as far and wide and has sought as much counsel as this president has sought in seeking (laughs) me. And sought as much input from different concerned parties as this president 
person. And like the best. These are not matters of public record. Which, there is which no is not history just, of of presidents seeking this kind of. Which counsel. is not just him filleting Trump, which everybody in his orbit is required to do. It's also him filleting himself. No other president has searched as far and wide and done more homework and talked to more stakeholders than you. And oh my gosh, I'm the pick. Yeah. And you that you made the best pick ever. Me. Completely insulated person who has been in a pipeline of the Supreme Court. Who's the, the product time. of a backroom deal, probably between uh, Justice Kennedy and Trump. That NBC report, I, sh- I hasten to say, has been retracted by the reporter who suggested that there was a transactional nature. I mean, but the 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 story, as Politico at least has it, is that Brett Kavanaugh's name was added to like late in the game uh, in that list of five people uh, added to Trump's additional twenty person list. He was notably absent in the first list that included Neil Gorsuch. Anyway, but but he right, did. So, he, but did wait, I, I wanna, he, he did pick I wanna, Kavanaugh at Kennedy's suggestion. I want to jump back to your point that the Dems in the Senate Judiciary Committee should uh, make him answer for Trump's immorality for the kind of immorality that religious conservatives objected to strenuously under Clinton and said that was disqualifying under Clinton. That ship has sailed. The evangelical vote went overwhelmingly for Trump. There is nothing that they will not excuse, give him a mulligan for, say, oh, but he didn't become a Christian until this point, so everything prior to that doesn't count. This is the ship. You can tie. It- you you can ask him about payments to Stormy Daniels. You can ask him about uh, grabbing by the pussy, and it's not going to matter to religious conservatives. All the religious conservatives care about is ending abortion. They think that abortion is murder. They got their guy today. Well, then make yesterday. it extra plain because you're not talking to the conservatives. The Democrats are not. They're talking to the Democratic base that needs to see this very clearly. And anyone they can peel off the you know conservative right. And independence and whoever else they can get to come I, to the polls and and just do some unmasking. I mean, I I that's I think it's true. Like I am caught up in a quaint idea that hypocrisy is is still shameful. You are and logical <laughs> consistency matters to anyone. Yeah. and you know facts uh, that and Republicans prove, are capable of feeling shame. Yeah. So okay, I I got I I got nothing. Can there. I gift some language to Dems in this fight? The debate isn't abortion or no abortion. It's legal abortion or illegal abortion. Safe abortions or dangerous abortions. That's the choice the country faces. Not abortion or no abortion. Every country that's ever banned abortion has had plenty of abortions going on. Safe and women don't die or illegal and women die. That's the choice. And you were talking about that fight. I would just point to a 2005 article from Howard Zinn, good old Howard Zinn of the People's History of the United States from 2005 uh, when Justice Roberts was nominated by George W. Bush. The piece is called Don't Despair the Supreme Court. And he's basically saying, listen, the Supreme Court will not save you. It didn't. It hasn't saved people of color since Plessy versus Ferguson, it you know hasn't really saved gay people, hasn't really saved uh, women. Um, it, it, and in fact, all of this focus on who's the president and who's the Supreme Court um, obscures us from doing what we should be doing as citizens, which is our most important job, which is organizing, protesting, making our voices heard. And in order to elect the, the president that we want who will appoint Supreme Court justices who will issue decisions like Obergefell, that doesn't make any fucking sense. I, no, no, I think, I think acting locally, you know, like... Uh, right, but to, like to, one to, of the to, problems in 2016 was too little focus on the Supreme Court and the president's role in picking justices. And you're citing the Zinn article from 2005 saying we shouldn't think 
as much as we already aren't thinking about who the president is in Supreme Court choices on the left, the right has been maniacally focused on the Supreme Court for presidency decades. and judicial appointments for four decades. And the left hasn't. And here's Zinn saying, hey, don't think about this thing you're already not thinking about in the same way the right's thinking about it. And here we are in this position now and we are fucked. And you're Yes, I'm citing this article. The point, is to, the, po- the point is to organize... You again are focusing on the top so uh, much. It's like you know, to organize. But you can do both. You can focus on organizing. You can focus on turning out people for for, for elections. You can focus on local. No, and you can also it, at the same time walk and chew gum and, and say, also there is this to think about as you're organizing and, and turning out to vote. Like this is what's going on at the top of all of that activity, which is presidents picking Supreme Court justices. You organize to vote people into local uh, seats. All politics is local. Thank right? You, thank, thank you. I'm, yes, I'm exactly. I'm your argument. You, you, You're yeah, welcome. Yes. <laughs> you, vote, you organize to vote people into state house seats and so that you can codify Roe versus Wade in your state like Washington has, like three, I think, other states have. You mm-hmm. try to overturn these trigger laws in the other states. You help out people and organizations who are trying to overturn those trigger laws. So you're just writing off women in Mississippi and Alabama and other states where Roe will never be codified into law. I don't know if you listened to the last sentence that I said, but the last sentences I For said was sanity, you have you, you, you help the, those people organizing in other states who are working to overturn those laws basically by funding them if you're not in that state. NARAL, there's a bunch of um, uh, organizations some shit who has are doing to be, really good. Some shit has work. to be done at the national level and imposed on backwards reactionary Well, if you states, want to look at the Republicans sometimes at the who, point of a gun, who were so excited. Who, integration. You, how did, the, how did, how did the Republicans That's do That's what it? I was going to bring up. So uh, you, can say, you could say maybe more accurately that the Supreme Court more often than not over the long sweep of its history had made, has made decisions that we would find racist and uh, sexist and homophobic and worse. Dred right? Scott, internment of the Japanese, go on. However... Yeah, take, just takes take one Brown versus Board of Education, right? That's that changed the entire trajectory of the United States and had to be implemented at the point of, the, of a gun, as Dan said, in states that where you were not going to get this kind of local organizing to promote integration. So the Supreme Court does fucking matter and i could see you arguing that this congress you're you're misrepresenting my point i'm not saying that the supreme court doesn't matter i'm saying excessively focusing on the supreme court and excessively focusing on the president prevents you from doing your job i'm saying we haven't focused on those things enough obviously we wouldn't be in this position right now if in 2016 clearly Clearly it hasn't been a motivating factor Here's where I agree with you, Rich. <laughs> or here's where I, I'm going to tell myself I agree with you, even if this is not what you're saying. Congress, <laughs> Congress needs to make some more laws. Like, sorry, this our Congress, when it's been controlled by Democrats and Republicans, has not, for example, done anything about immigration, which is why we're still fighting about it. Yeah. It has not done enough clearly to strengthen our election laws, right? Since the 2016 Russian interference, nothing has been done by Congress. And before that, it's not done enough okay. on campaign finance. And so if you fucking get out there and vote in the midterms, maybe we will have a Congress that is actually capable, House and Senate, of passing some laws. My point is just one point before that point. 
How do you get Congress to care about racial inequities? How do you get Congress to care about um, income inequities? How do you get Congress to say, like, oh, my God, wait, women want abortion? This is an issue that people are going to vote on or not vote on? You organize, you yell about it, and then you threaten you know, their power. That's the important thing. That's the thing that you have to do. This is my only point. Except it's the step before the step you're talking about. Sure. You're just erasing the first step, the important step, the yeah. organizing step, the yeah. get mad the about it step. The one reason to organize and, the one, and do the, all of that is to, to, is to take the Supreme Court. And, and that Supreme Court for some will be a motivating factor. It's clearly been a highly motivating factor on the right for a long time and is about to become a highly motivating factor on the left. So I don't think that we're actually in disagreement despite our raised voices because I think you can walk and chew gum at the same time. You can do local politics and national politics. You can do the sewers in your community and the lead pipes in Flint, and also the Supreme Court. I am now emerging from the bathtub, a zombie, ready to (laughs) eat your brain. (laughs) Populism does not always produce brilliant policy. Look at the South during the Reconstruction or even during the 50s and 60s. Sometimes ground-up politics gets you racist, terrible uh, structures that you can't Get rid of that without federal argument? intervention. And the national consensus my, has to be is, was my argument on those populism? Areas. Yes. No, my argument was organize under around a, a position and around a value you believe at in at the local level. At the local level, power yeah. to the people. Great, except when the people do something really dumb. Yeah. Okay. That. Uh, yeah. That. Thank you for that wonderful uh, qualifier. Don't do it in a dumb way. Don't grass organize. Don't grassroots organize around not giving people abortions. Is what I meant. Don't grassroots organize around murdering children. Uh, I, I think sorry. our one remaining Kill listener that. would like us to move on. <laughs> I mean, duh! You like, how dare you suggest that I would say that? Like, what? because Rich is wrong, we will let him have the last what word. What are you talking about? There we go. That was the last word. Next segment. <laughs> Next, we're going to talk about uh, Elon Musk. <laughs> Rich, you've got to brush your teeth. I'm telling you, Eli, this time that you got to brush your teeth. All right. All right. Okay. Okay. And you got to get the length of the time right. It's crucial. Okay. Okay. And don't forget to change your brush mm-hmm. head, the bristles, or else you're going to get a disease, a gingivitis. The thing that does this for you is Quip. It's a toothbrush. It's an electronic toothbrush. It's got the vibrating pulses that let you know when to switch it up so you can be sure to brush your whole mouth. Uh-huh. It's got a built-in timer. Okay. So that you brush for the recommended amount of time. Which is? It's two minutes. Two minutes with gliding pulses to remind you when to switch sides. Quip's subscription plans are for your health, okay? Not just your convenience. They deliver new brush heads, which you need to change all the time or else you get gum diseases. All right. And um, it also comes with a mount that suctions straight to your mirror and unsticks to use as a cover for hygienic purposes. When you're traveling, you don't get gunk in your bristles. It's horrific. And finally, people love this thing. They genuinely love this. Okay? They were, the, the, the toothbrush was on Oprah's O list. It was named one of Time's Best Inventions. And it's the first subscription electronic toothbrush ever. It almost breaks my heart to say this. Or it makes me in tears. I'm so happy. Accepted by the American Dental Association as a premium toothbrush. Plus, they're backed by a network of over 20,000 dentists and hygienists 
and hundreds of thousands of happy brushes use Quip every single day. That's the kind of love that this toothbrush generates. Sold. Plus, Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash blabbermouth right now, you're going to get your first free refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash blabbermouth, spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash blabbermouth. Rich, don't hate me. Hate Elon Musk. Okay. I'm happy to. Elon Musk, the, the great white savior of those 12 uh, children, Thai children. Yeah, let's talk about him. So that everyone's latched on to the Thai cave story because it is a genuinely good story of people working together to solve a problem and uh, help people, some of whom are immigrants in the Southeast Asian context. And there's a happy ending. Um, so that is totally absent from any news in America right now. And because everything circles back to Trump. Trump had the audacity to send a positive tweet out praising the effort to reunite these children with their families at the same time as the Trump administration, of course, is separating children from their families and failing under court order to reunite those children with their families. We're rescuing kids from caves in Thailand, and that's a wonderful thing. Or not we, they, Thai SEAL team, rescuing those kids uh, and they can't get these kids out of cages in the United States. And fucking Donald Trump has the nerve to say one fucking word about it. But if that's not rage-making enough, there's Elon Musk. Yes, Elon Musk inserted himself into this national story. Uh, however, selflessly, uh, on Twitter, he began to tweet sketches of him and his team creating a submarine out of, quote, rocket parts. Uh, and then he um, said that he was going to build this submarine and take it all the way to the cave and then By use it. At which point all those kids would be dead. To ferry individual. No, no, no. He'll get there in time. To ferry individual kids through with this submarine that he built thank you tech guy so what he did was he built a submarine he flies out to thailand has a little vacation and then he uh, actually built the submarine he built the submarine the kid-sized submarine the kid-sized submarine and then which no one asked him to build he wasn't working with the rescue team he wasn't working in concert with any efforts to actually save these children no one asked him to do it he's just doing it because you know fucking someone's got to step up and do it and try to look good doing it and it's me grimes's boyfriend and so he goes to to thailand and he drops off his fucking submarine on the third day of the five-day extraction operation and then just they say we can't use this and then he leaves it there and tweets that he leaves it there because they might be able to use it in the future if some other soccer team gets stuck (laughs) deep in the cave so he basically just littered. He went to Thailand to litter next to this cave and then leave and try to take credit for thinking to use his great tech smarts to save these fucking children. It is a metaphor for everything that is wrong with the weird tech utopian capitalism, the idea that uh, tech, tech is- utopian libertarianism. Yeah, go say more about that. Eli. Well, this is so Elon Musk and who's the other guy? The guy who's Trump's advisor, um, gay, but don't call him Peter gay. Peter Thiel. Peter Thiel. He'll destroy you if you call him gay. Gawker learned that. Careful. So, sorry. Well, but no. yeah, I think the cat's out of the bag on that one now. <laughs> Peter Thiel will march into this office and slap the dick out of your mouth for <laughs> suggesting. There's ever been one in his. 
So Peter Thiel, Elon Musk, all the techno-libertarian idealists think that they have the answers and they can get them quicker than government and you know, regulation is the problem. Self-regulation, as Mark Zuckerberg says, is the best regulation. I mean, in the abstract, I, I think that's a good idea. But when you've got Facebook and Peter Thiel and, and, and spying on you with impunity, um, I don't think self-regulation is going to do it. So anyway, this to me smacks of Elon Musk sitting there thinking, oh, this is a great opportunity for me to show that people can produce the answers faster than government. There's a problem. These kids are trapped. I'm just going to build a submarine. I'm not going to wait for the government to do it. It's like Jeff Bezos building rockets because who wants to wait for NASA to do it? And what While he, at the same time, the government is already fucking doing exactly. it. Exactly. What he ended up proving is that the opposite works, that governments and people working together with expertise that is funded probably largely by governments were able to get these kids out of the cave faster than he could build a sub out of rocket parts and litter Thailand with yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, faster and, and, and more safely. And yeah, yeah. I, he's created a problem while pretending it's a solution. And this is the, the, the central problem, I think, with a lot of just corporate thinking about how the world should work and certainly a central problem. With or a lot of Silicon Valley's thinking that, like, we'll just create solutions to problems that are not actually the problems yeah. <laughs> because we can and it's exciting and we're not going to worry about the, the uh, ancillary problems that we create on the way to building our beautiful algorithms and machines the er example i think of the kind of libertarian disconnect from reality uh the headline went out startup lets neighbors pool money to invest in their communities and as a million people tweeted out in reaction tech bros just invented taxes <laughs> that used to be the way we pooled money <laughs> to improve our communities and provide for it's in the constitution the general welfare but we had to dismantle the tax system and slash taxes and now we're going to crowdfund on somebody's app to raise money to pay for everything right and because they're libertarians creating this app they will be very mad if anyone taxes them for the profits on their app all right so uh elon musk go fuck yourself <laughs> and as somebody else pointed out on twitter the first real elon musk scandal will have to have the gate suffix so it's elon gate or elongate <laughs> Next, one beautiful thing, a book that Rich is reading and loving. Rich, give me this book. This, you, you mean this book the, by Otessa Moshfeg yeah. called My Year of Rest and Relaxation? Yes. Take a break from throwing the book at us and just re recommend a book to us. <laughs> yes, I recommend this book. It's called My Year of Rest and Relaxation. It seems um, funny during this uh, time where nothing is particularly restful and nothing is particularly relaxing. But, um, well, the book's title is ironic it's <laughs> it's about um this young uh beautiful uh, white woman who lives in new york city she lives in a well-appointed apartment she has a great inheritance and uh, in order to work through some emotional problems uh she tries to hibernate basically for an entire year so i read what you wrote about this on slog and your barista said and i kind of want to say right now sounds like a beautiful story of privilege <laughs> it is it's a beautiful story of a woman who uh is privileged and who knows she has privilege and cares about it but is so 
like emotionally broken that she can't uh, have any she can't feel bad really about it you know she's she's so locked in her own narcissism so locked in her own pain that she just needs to do this incredibly selfish thing she doesn't give a fuck about her relationship to society right i mean to, to how is this a break from our current reality privileged white rich people caught up in their own problems well, in a, in a kind of slanted way, and Moshfet does this sort of beautifully, is she kind of gives you just enough humanity for this person, or gives this person just enough humanity where you kind of start to see yourself in, in, in her, and you start to realize that, oh my God, I'm supposed to be hating this person. I'm also supposed to be hating these horrible little privileged things in myself. And I'm also supposed to, at the same time, realize that that person is not, evil right like that that person also deserves empathy and is probably in pain and needs to be taken in that context and that that is ultimately the kind of selflessness you have to bring to selfish people in order to help them maybe heal you know um this is where the metaphor of taking a bunch of sleeping pills uh (laughs) so that you can sleep through the year comes in that that kind of self Voiding mm-hmm. um, uh, is a metaphor for the kind of selflessness you need to take to be able to deal with the unknown. Yeah, but yeah, basically, is this her first book? This is her third novel. She's known for writing um, short stories that get published in the New Yorker and other sort of prestigious places. Uh, her book, I think, from 2016 or 2015, it was called Eileen. It was shortlisted for the Man Booker uh, Prize, and uh, that was rare because she's an American writer. She's, I mean, for all of the, the heady stuff that I'm talking about here, she is just an incredibly funny writer, an incredibly dark, she's incredibly black humor, and she is joyful to read and she's so mean she's so mean you're like laughing about like you feel so bad for liking how mean this person is and it is so it's like and it really puts you in a mood like if you read this on a beach you would be a little black rain cloud but you would be fine with it you know this is clearly the way to to have a conversation where I'm not tempted to interrupt Rich <laughs> because I don't read novels and don't give a shit, so I can just sit here very quietly. You're taking your. I am pills. capable of letting you speak uninterrupted. I yeah yeah. This is this just is just, some, just talk about novels. Talk about literature <laughs> novels. I, look, there's some literature I like. Yeah. The writer is oh, Tessa Moshfeg, and the book is My Year of Rest and Relaxation. The title, at least, is so relaxing, very soothing, and 9/11's in it. Thanks, Rich. (laughs) Thanks, Eli. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. And that's the show. If you've got something you want to say to Rich, Dan, or me, call the Blabberphone, 206-302-2063. Thanks to Ahame Filejje Alua for making the music we use on the show each week, and to Nancy Hartunian for bringing our blabbering mouths to your ears.